Elite Tabletop Role-Playing Podcast, where the die decides our topic. Today, my friends, I have made a blunder. I have been a buffoon, an absolute jackanape. A fool. A fool, I say. My cat agrees. I was meant to record this week's charisma check with, of course, a couple of my co-hosts. I got everyone set up to record and then promptly fell asleep and did not wake up until just a moment ago. It is now nearly 6 a.m., and our recording time has long since passed, and now I must pay my penance, for I have been the big doofus. So, instead of the normal charisma check wherein we would just pick some random topic and discuss it, um, I decided I will do a reading of H.P. Lovecraft's Nyarlathotep, I hope everyone will enjoy this. As per the foreword, this powerful prose poem was written in early December 1920. It first appeared in the United Amateur for November 1920, but at this time the United Amateur was frequently issued months later than its cover date. The quasi-Egyptian god Nyarlathotep makes a striking debut here. In this tale he seems symbolic of the ultimate degeneration of the world and the universe. Like the statement of Randolph Carter, the story is largely based on a dream. A dream so striking that Lovecraft wrote the first full paragraph of the tale before he was entirely awake. Nyarlathotep, the crawling chaos. I am the last. I will tell the Audian void. I do not recall distinctly when it began, but it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous and physical danger. A danger widespread and all-embracing, such a danger as it may be imagined only in the most terrible phantasms of the night. I recall that the people went about with pale and worried faces, and whispered warnings and prophecies which no one dared consciously repeat or acknowledge to himself that he had heard. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land and out of the abysses between the stars slipped chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. There was a demoniac alteration in the sequence of the seasons. The autumn heat lingered fearsomely, and everyone felt the world and perhaps the universe had passed from the control of known gods or forces to that of gods or forces which were unknown. And it was then that Nyarlathotep came out of Egypt. Who he was, none could tell but he was of the old native blood and looked like a pharaoh. The fellahin knelt when they saw him, yet they could not say why. He said he had risen up out of the blackness of twenty-seven centuries and that he had heard messages from places not on this planet. Into the lands of civilization came Nyarlathotep, swarthy, slender, and sinister, always buying strange instruments of glass and metal and combining them into instruments yet stranger. He spoke much of the sciences, of electricity and psychology, and gave exhibitions of power which sent his spectators away speechless, yet which swelled his fame to exceeding magnitude. Men advised one another to see Nyarlathotep, and shuddered. And where Nyarlathotep went, rest vanished, for the small hours were rent with the screams of nightmare. Never before had the screams of nightmare been such a public problem. Now the wise men almost wished they could forbid sleep in the small hours, that the shrieks of cities might less horribly disturb the pale, pitying moon as it glimmered on green waters gliding under bridges, and old steeples crumbling against a sickly sky. I remember when Nyarlathotep came to my city, 
the great, the old, the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. My friend had told me of him, and of the impelling fascination and allurement of his revelations, and I burned with eagerness to explore his uttermost mysteries. My friend said they were horrible and impressive beyond my most fevered imaginings, that what was thrown on a screen in the darkened room prophesied things none but Nyarlathotep dared prophesy, and that in the sputter of his sparks there was taken from men that which had never been taken before, yet which showed only in the eyes. And I had heard it hinted abroad that those who knew Nyarlathotep looked on sights which others saw not. It was in the hot autumn that I went through the night with the restless crowds to see Nyarlathotep, through the stifling night and up the endless stairs into the choking room. And shadowed on a screen, I saw hooded forms amidst ruins, and yellow evil faces peering from behind the fallen monuments. And I saw the world battling against blackness, against the waves of destruction from the ultimate space, whirling, churning, struggling around the dimming, cooling sun. Then the sparks played amazingly around the heads of the spectators, and hair stood up on end while shadows more grotesque than I can tell came out and squatted on the heads. And when I, who was colder and more scientific than the rest, mumbled a trembling protest about imposture and static electricity, Nyarlathotep drove us all out, down the dizzying stairs into the damp, hot, deserted midnight streets. I screamed aloud that I was not afraid, that I never could be afraid and others screamed with me for solace. We swear to one another that the city was exactly the same, and still alive, and when the electric lights began to fade, we cursed the company over and over again, and laughed at the queer faces we made. I believe we felt something coming down from the greenish moon, for when we began to depend on its light, we drifted into curious involuntary formations, and seemed to know our destinations, though we dared not think of them. Once we looked at the pavement and found the blocks loose and displaced by grass, with scarce a line of rusted metal to shoe where the tramways had run. And again we saw tram car, lone, windowless, dilapidated, and almost on its side. When we gazed around the horizon, we could not find the third tower by the river, and noticed that the silhouette of the second tower was ragged at the top. Then we split up into narrow columns, each of which seemed drawn in a different direction. One disappeared in a narrow alley to the left leaving only the echo of a shocking moan. Another filed down a weed-choked subway entrance, howling with laughter that was mad. My own column was sucked towards the open country, and presently felt a chill which was not of the hot autumn, for as we stalked out of the dark moor, we beheld around us hellish moon-glitter of evil snows. Trackless, inexplicable snows, swept asunder in one direction only, where lay a gulf of all the blacker for its glittering walls. The column seemed very thin indeed as it plodded dreamily into the gulf. I lingered behind, for the black rift in the green-litten snow was frightful, and I thought I had heard the reverberations of a disquieting wail as my companions vanished. But my power to linger was slight. As if beckoned by those who had gone before, I half-floated between the titanic snowdrifts, quivering and afraid, into the sightless vortex of the unimaginable. Screamingly sentient, dumbly delirious, only the gods that were can tell. A sickened, sensitive shadow writhing in hands that are not hands and whirled blindly past ghastly midnights of rotting creation. Corpses of dead worlds with sores that were cities, charnel winds that brushed the pallid stars and made them flicker low. Beyond the world's vague ghosts of monstrous things, half-seen columns of unsanctified temples that rest on nameless rocks beneath space and reach up to dizzying vacua above the spheres of light and darkness. And through this revolting graveyard of the universe, the muffled, maddening beat of drums and thin, monotonous whine of blasphemous flutes from inconceivable, 
unlighted chambers beyond time. The detestable pounding and piping whereunto dance slowly, awkwardly, and absurdly the gigantic, tenebrous, ultimate gods. The blind, voiceless, mindless gargoyles whose soul is Nyarlathotep. This is perhaps one of H.P. Lovecraft's more well-known works, if only because the titular Narlathotep has become one of the most prominent characters in what is currently called the Cthulhu Mythos, which Lovecraft himself preferred to jokingly call the Yogg-Sothothery. Narlathotep is one of the outer gods, which is differentiated from the old ones in that the old ones were creatures possibly born of Earth, maybe descended from the outer gods, but tend to be physical beings that reside on the planet in some way. Cthulhu himself would be an old god, at least now he is. Whereas the outer gods are beings either from so far out into the cosmos or so far beyond the cosmos as we know it, that they tend to have very little interaction with the physical world as we know it. Nyarlathotep being an outer god is one of the very few who does commonly interact with humans and seems to actively despise them, whereas many of the outer gods are just so vast, so indifferent to the entirety of our reality that anything that would seem to be some sort of malicious action is in reality just them going about their day. They don't think that we're good or evil. They don't hate us or love us anymore that we would look down and hate or love an ant. We are totally beneath them. In this way, Nyarlathotep is very different from the other outer gods. Another thing that is referenced here is the sounds of great piping music and the fact that it cannot be resisted. I do not believe that the greater mythos that H.P. Lovecraft had intended or rather didn't intend, but ended up building as a result of the mental ministrations of his peers and his fans, had come to create what would be known as Azathoth's court, the demon court, wherein the ultimate outer god Azathoth, the father of them all, is forced into an eternal sleep by maddening music very similar to what was described in Yarlathotep. Azathoth is constantly circled by dozens of other outer gods playing strange and unknowable music to keep him asleep, because if Azathoth ever wakes, the universe as we know it would cease to exist, because we are all merely figments in a dream, a grand dream he is having. And it is said that whenever he stirs in his sleep, that it causes great nuclear disaster, and that is why Azathoth is called the nuclear chaos, because whenever he stirs, the very foundational building blocks of our world crumble somewhat. Now, Lathotep, I believe, is meant to be one of his grandchildren or great-grandchildren who is supposed to be working at his behest, and I believe this might be why he is so openly antagonistic towards humans, because... He wants Azathoth to awaken. He wants to end this everlasting nightmare that for some reason the other outer gods wish for him to continue having. So as a result, he does everything he can to cause Azathoth's dream to be a horrible nightmare. And presumably this means that Azathoth frequently focuses his dreams 
down upon earth to watch us in our simple lives, because why else would Nyarlathotep specifically take the time to mess with humans? Why would Nyarlathotep specifically despise humans? All of this is food for thought. It's all speculation. Of course, I don't know. H.P. Lovecraft is long dead and gone, and only he really knew the answers to any of these questions that we might pose. But I think it's an interesting thing to think about, seeing that these are kind of the first building blocks of the greater Cthulhu mythos that everyone knows and holds so dear. So I will thank you all for listening this week. Uh, I'm sorry, once again, that we're not having a standard episode of Charisma Check. That is my bad because I just, I lay down in the bed and then the kitty came and started giving me the kitty cuddles and it knocked me right out. So here I am at now 6.13 in the morning reading HP Lovecraft stories to try and hopefully placate my audience, but I will go ahead and roll the d20. We will see what next week's episode is going to be. Number seven, the importance of research in tabletop role-playing is actually very big. Uh, A lot of people have um, gone into these adventures, uh, especially when like going into an adventure path or wanting to have a specific monster. Uh, They'll they'll get the very, very basics of what they want to know about it, and they'll implement that into their game. And then the players will often know something about that that the the GM himself doesn't. Uh, With a notable example of this in one of my own games being, I believe I mentioned when we were talking about Horde of the Dragon Queen, uh, the person who was running the module didn't actually read the whole thing first, so he ended up running the module incorrectly when it was noted that whenever one of my fellow party members went to try and ask a cloud giant for help in killing a dragon, said cloud giant was meant to actually help us instead of braining the person who asked them for help. So, um, of course, we're going to go roll through all the uh, the regular stuff. Uh, if you would like to find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash d20dudes, twitter.com at d20dudes. If you would like to support us, patreon.com slash d20dudes. Uh, if you are interested on the Patreon, uh, our lowest tier is $3 and you get access to everything. Um, there is a small pilot I've put out. It's about six minutes long of a project that I've been, I've had in the concept stages for quite a while. I don't have a full name for it yet, but at least the pilot is called Project Munin and it is about an AI and how it is interacting with the world after being initialized. I think it uh, has some potential there, uh, and me and some buds are going to you know, start working on that and get that going. So if you would like to hear the pilot for that, uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash d20dudes, three bucks. If you just want to give me the three bucks for the month and listen to it and see what other Patreon content I might have available, totally fine. Uh, if not, also fine. If you want to hang out with us on the Discord, the link for that is going to be down in the description. Uh, I would like to thank my current patrons, Ari, Jenny, Word, and Ken. You guys are rad. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. And we will catch you in next week's episode. Farewell.